If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 18. We're going through the life of Abraham, this great man of faith, this man who was the friend of God because he believed God. And we see his journey. He was not a perfect man, but he was a man of faith, and God was working in him and on him all along the way. Just as we are not perfect people, but God is continuously working in us and through us to shape us and to mold us into the image of his son. So I want us to look at Genesis chapter 18, if I can get there. And what's happened so far in 17, the last time we're together, is whenever, you remember, there was a change of names. Abraham's name, Abram's name was changed to Abraham because he was going to be the father of multitudes instead of just the exalted father. And Sarah's name from Sarai to Sarah was going to be because she's the princess. She's going to be the mother, the mother of kings. And, and both of those things are going to be true as that child of promise will be born to them whose name is Isaac. We come to chapter 18 after those great experiences with God and renaming of both of them. And you find that Abraham is there and he's going to have an unexpected encounter with God. Have you ever had an unexpected encounter with God? When it's the least likely place or least likely time that you think you're going to hear from him. <laughs> that you think you're going to see him in a new way. Well, that's what basically happens in chapter 18. Listen, what, listen where he was. Verse 1. Now the Lord appeared to him, talking about Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. Now you've got to get the image, okay? He, he's sitting there under an oak tree, in Mamre, where there are these beautiful oaks, and he's sitting there, it's the, it's the middle of the day, it's the heat of the day, and he's brought himself out there to sit at the opening of the tent while he's dealing with the heat of the day. Now, probably Abraham in his mind is not thinking about sitting here under this oak tree in the heat of the day at the front of the tent, at the doorway of the tent, that I'm about to encounter God that I'm about to have an experience with the Lord, that I'm about to learn something, that the Lord's going to reveal something to me. He does not expect that. And all of a sudden, God shows up and does a powerful work and reveals himself in an awesome way. I would say this to you and to me, always be looking for God to show up. Amen? It's not that God's going to show up just at church, or that God's going to show up just at prayer meeting, or that God's going to show up just during revival, or something. Always be looking for, for God to show up. Because if you will look and see, He may show up in the most unexpected ways and unexpected times. God has a way of doing that. And that's exactly what happens here in the life of Abraham. Sitting there at the door of the tent in the heat of the day, he's about to encounter God. And he encounters him, how? By some visitors who come. Listen to this, and I want you to notice especially the spiritual sensitivity of Abraham. It's very important, the words that are said here in this verse. Listen to what it says. And when he, talking about Abraham, lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men 
were standing opposite of him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent to meet them and bowed himself to the Lord and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. Now let's look at this. Leave your Bibles open there as we look at this, these words that he says. There is a spiritual sensitivity about Abraham. Pray that God would give you a spiritual sensitivity. Pray that whenever you see the things that are out there, that are the normal things of life, that you'll be able to see the spiritual things behind that and if God's doing something in the midst of that. Those are called the eyes of faith. To be able to see what's happening in that spiritual world and what God's doing. Notice how Abraham was spiritually sensitive. It says, and when he lifted up his eyes, those are his physical eyes, and he looked, that's looking with his physical eyes, behold, what did he see? Three men were standing opposite of him. So here's the picture. He looks up with his physical eyes, and he sees these three men who are standing opposite of him of where he is sitting there in the doorway of the tent. Now that's just the normal way of looking up, and you'd see three people that are standing opposite you of where you are. But that's not when the, how the verse ends. Listen to the rest of the verse. And when he saw them, do you see that? Wait a minute, he had already seen them, hadn't he? When he, he looked and he saw who? Three men. But when he saw them, and an interesting thing, in your translation, if your translation is, is, has got it the way it ought to be, the them there should be probably in italics, or it's, or it's identified, it might be a footnote in it. And what that simply means is that that's an editorial privilege that the writer did in adding the word them. The word them is not in the original language. Rather, what it says is, and when he saw, when he saw, he's already seen, he, he, he looked up and saw those men and said, no, no, it's talking about something different. It's talking about seeing something beyond the physical of what his eyes saw, that there are three men there. He saw what? With the eyes of faith. He saw and he knew who they were. He saw and he knew who they represented. He saw and he knew that these weren't just three travelers who were coming by the way, ordinary men. He saw something different. Why was that? Because he had a spiritual sensitivity. God had quickened his heart. Remember we talked about in faith, what, what does faith do? Faith gives you the ability to see the unseen. Faith gives you the ability to grasp what's happening in the spiritual world. And what was wonderful about Abraham is he's a, a man of great faith. What set him apart is he believed God. It was it was considered righteous. He was righteous and the friend of God because he had the eyes of faith to be able to see the unseen. 
And so the picture is, here is Abraham, and he sees these men, but as soon as he sees them physically, he saw them for who they are. He saw them for who they are. They are representatives of God. They are here on a purpose and a mission. And he understands who they are, and he also understands who he is in relationship to them. Now you might say, well, Brother Mac, how can you say, just because it says he saw, how would you know that? Because look at, look at his response. Look at his response and his actions and how it reveals it. Listen to what it says in verse 2. And when he saw, here's his first action, he ran from the tent to run where? To meet them. His first action was he was going to run. Do you remember how old he is? Do y'all remember how old he is? He's 100 years old when Isaac's born, and Isaac's going to be born next year, we'll find out. He's 99 years old. When a 99-year-old man is running, it tells you something. He ran, and he ran where? To them. To be with them. That, that right there is a, is a signal that he represents their superiority. He represents their, their place, that they are greater than he is. If not, he as the 99-year-old man would have stood and waited for what? Waited for them to come to him. Waited for them to run to him. Waited for them to respond to him because he would have been in the superior position because of his age. But here is a 99-year-old man that when he saw and knew who they were, he ran from where he was, the, the tent door, to meet them. He goes to meet them. So it reveals that he knows something, that they are special. They're unique. Well, it goes beyond that. It's not just the fact that, they, that he ran to them. Listen to what he says next. It says, he ran from the tent to meet them, and what next? What does your Bible say? And he what? And he bowed himself to the earth. He bowed himself to the earth. His bowing signifies what? Worship of them. But what, is it, what does it represent in, in regards to who's more important? Is the one bowing more important than the one being bowed to? Or is the one bowing realizing they're submissive to and inferior to the one that's being bowed to? And here's this 99-year-old man who is going, and he is going to bow to the ground. Bow to the ground before these three men. Because why? Because he saw. He saw and he knows that these men are from God. These men represent God. And they've been sent here by God. And therefore, my response to God, as I respond to them, is I want to run to God instead of run away from God. And I'm going to run to meet him, not wanting him to chase me down, but I'm going to chase him down. And whenever I get to that place where he is, I'm going to bow before him because he is worthy. You get the picture? That's why he has a spiritual, a spiritual sensitivity. May God help us to have that spiritual sensitivity. 
when we see God and see God at work. Now, it's not just their, his actions, though. Listen to his words. Listen to his words. His words are found in verse number 3. Here's his first pronouncement. Here's his first word. And he said, my, what does your Bible say? Look at it. My what? My Lord. My Lord. That pronouncement is a position of authority, isn't it? Lord means what? Boss. Lord means in charge. He means the one I'm submissive to. And his very words are a pronouncement that this one, these that I'm meeting, are, are the Lord, are from the Lord. And his response to them is like his response to God. My Lord. But not only is it in his words where he is by pronouncement saying, My Lord, look what in verse 3. My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, Please do not pass your, what's this word? What's the next word? Servant by. So his pronouncement is that he is Lord, but his position that he has is what? He is a servant. He's, he's saying to them, you are Lord, and I am what? Your servant. You are Lord, and I am your servant. I want to tell you. That's a great thing to always say to God. If you're wondering what your position ought to be and your pronouncement ought to be, always pronounce that He is Lord and that you are what? You are His servant. That you are His servant. So His pronouncement says He's Lord. His position is I'm His servant. But what about His plea? Listen there in verse 3. My Lord... If now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. If I found favor in your sight, what is his plea? Please do not what? Do not pass your servant by. Don't, don't get up and leave. Don't, ju don't just leave me. There, there's something I need from you, something I, I want to experience in you. I, I want to fellowship with you. I want to bless you. Please do not, do not pass your servant by. Now, if he were on equal basis, he would have just said, hey, don't leave. If he were the boss, he would have said, I command you not to leave. But whenever he is the servant, realizing that they are Lord, or he is Lord, God is Lord, then his answer is, please don't pass me by. I don't have any authority to tell you to stay. I don't, I'm not in an equal position to bargain for you to stay. But as your servant, I would beg of you to stay. So by his very words, his pronouncement, his position, and his plea, all of that says God is superior he is superior, and I want something. I want something from him. Now, what is it? What is it that Abraham wants? What you find out that Abraham wants, he just wants to spend time with him. He really does. He just wants to spend time. Hold on a second. He's going to get a lot. The Lord's going to give him a lot in this passage, but the only thing he asks is that he wants to spend time with him, and he wants to honor him. 
Hold on a second. That, that is a great place to be. That is a great place to be. In, in your relationship with God, sometimes do you just say to God, God, I don't want one thing from you. All I want to do is spend time with you. I, I, just, want to, I just want to spend time with you. I, I, just want to, I just want to be with you. I, I, want, to, I want to bless you. I, that's a great position to be in. <laughs> and that was his position. Listen to what he says that he wants to do. Verse 4. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet. We, we, we want to wash your feet, Lord. We want to wash your feet. He goes on and says, And rest under the tree, and I will bring you a piece of bread that you may, that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on your way since you have visited with your servant. What did he say? What's, what's he want? You can go on your way because you have visited with your servant. All I ask is that you visit with me a while. And while you visit with me, I, I want to wash your feet. And, and, and while you visit with me, I want to provide you bread. I want to bless you. I, I want to bless you in our fellowship together. I hope every one of you, I hope every one of you meet with God every day. I hope either early in the morning, late at night, noon, whenever it might be. I don't know when it might be, but I hope every one of you meet with God every day. And I hope when you meet with God that your ultimate goal in meeting with God is to bless Him. Not, not, not for you to get out. Well, we have our requests, don't we? But, but our ultimate purpose is to bless Him. And say, Lord, I just, I just want you to stay with me a while. I want you to visit with your servant a while. and I want to love on you like washing your feet. Or I, I, If you needed bread, I, I want to give you bread. I just want you to stay and visit with me for a while. What a request. And, 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 and the Lord honors that. Look at verse 5. Don't, don't miss the very last phrase. It says, and they said... So do as you have said. In other words, we're going to stay here and visit with you. We're going to stay here and spend time with you. Now, from that point, in chapter 18, some unbelievable truths are going to be presented to Abraham. He's going to receive some messages that are earth-shattering, that are world-changing. That he's going to have two messages that are going to happen. Now, we'll talk about, I'll show you what those two messages are, and then we'll talk about it next time we get together in January, about those two messages, how it happens. But it's a, it's a wonderful picture. Whenever they say they're going to stay, you can just read on ahead. Uh, Abraham runs, and, and he, t- he tells Sarah, said, get some dough and make some bread. <laughs> we, we got some guests here. We, we want you to make some bread. And he goes and gets a young calf, and has that killed, and he gets milk. He's just, he's running as hard as he can, working as diligent as he can to get all the stuff that needs to come and to bless these men, bless these guys, bless these representatives of the Lord. And he's just frantic going. He makes Martha look like she can't get things together. He's just going. And in the midst of all of that, while he's blessing them, while they're visiting with him, Two messages come about. The first message is this. One of them says, where's Sarah? Where's Sarah? Oh, she's, she's, over, she's over in the tent. Well, we, we got a message for you. First message. We, we got a message for you. We, we, we got a, a blessing to tell you. 
About this time next year, we're coming back, and uh, Sarah's going to have a boy. She's going to have a baby boy this time, by this time next year. <laughs> you, you, know the, you know that part of the story. Sarah's inside the tent. She heard what he said, and, and then what'd she do? She laughed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have a baby all this time, and I'm going to have a baby. And she laughed. And, and, and then uh, the men call her out on that, don't they? Hey, what you laughing about? Oh, I didn't laugh. <laughs> oh, yes, you did laugh. And then there comes that truth, is anything too difficult for God? Is anything too... The first message that he tells is an earth-changing, world-shaking message that Sarah's going to have a baby boy, but that baby boy is not just any baby boy. He's the baby boy of promise. He's the promised child through whom all the nation of Israel, those chosen people, are going to come about. What a word. The second message is not a good message. It's a difficult message. But it is a a world-changing, earth-shattering message of the judgment of God upon sin. Because if you'll read that story, they they say, "Should, should we hide from Abraham? Should we hide from Abraham what is about to happen? Isn't that... Isn't that neat? Isn't that wonderful to think about? Angels, representative of God, they're sitting here saying, should we hide from Abraham or or should we open up and tell Abraham all that is there? Should we really visit with him and let him know what's going on? What what an unbelievable thing. And and here goes them, they're going to tell Abraham about what's about to happen. Isn't that consistent with when it says in the book of Amos, it says, and God does nothing unless he first reveals it to his prophets? Before he he ever destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he tells Abraham about it. That Abraham is a great prophet of God, man of God. Well, they come and they tell him that the stench of Sodom and Gomorrah is such that God is coming to destroy. And they have been sent on it. Their their purpose, their mission, mission is to go and to save righteous Lot and his family because the fire and brimstone is coming upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And in that story, that's when, when Abraham shows his heart, man, he, he, begins to, he begins to negotiate with those guys. You remember that? Hey, what if we could find this many righteous men? Yeah, if you can find that many righteous men, uh, yep, uh, we'll spare the city. Well, what if we could find this many righteous men? And he keeps going down, and they're, yep, okay. Goes all the way down to how many? Ten. We can find ten righteous men in those cities. Would you spare the city? Yes, I will. But you know what? They couldn't find ten righteous men. There weren't ten righteous men, and therefore what happens? Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed. And the only ones who are saved out of it is is Lot and his two daughters, basically, because his wife turns around and turns into a pillar of salt. Two earth-shattering, life-changing, world-changing events. The promised child and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin. Those two important messages given to Abraham, who has a spiritual sensitivity that when he sees those men, he understands those men are from God. 
humbles himself before Almighty God, presents him in glorious fashion and wants to honor him in every way, begs for him to stay that he might be able to visit with them and as they visit together, they hear the things of God. Well, let that be an encouragement to us. Have a spiritual sensitivity to know whenever God's there and we have a chance to, to hear from him. Let's desire to meet with him, to be able to honor him, glorify him, recognize our position before it and we might be surprised what we may hear, what God may reveal to us, what God may tell us, because we have a heart like Abraham. Amen? Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for your word. Teach us to seek after you as Abraham sought after those, to want to visit with you like Abraham wanted to visit with them, and to be transformed and changed because of that visit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.